0: It's episode three, and you know what that means. A mysterious exchange
1: student. A massive plot twist. One of us is evil. Is that your final form? Yes. Looks nice. It needs more spice.
2: It's our third episode. Please don't drop us. Evil launch! Tatsu! Kanida. Onida.
1: It's over 9,000! Configure the language logic interface for Japanese.
3: The Wi-Fi. wi Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. Radio.
2: Konnichiwa and welcome to a new episode of Kawaii Fire Radio, the podcast where we look into the world of Japanese animation and film and all things in between. I'm your host Kyle and joining me are my co hosts Coco and Kenny. Hi guys! Hello, how's everyone going? Very good. Now, this week we've had a question from a listener. Oh,
0: awesome. Mm -hmm.
2: So, her name's Eva and she asked, if you could only pick one anime to watch, what would it be and why? Now, some ground rules... You can't pick a film series, Aww. you can't pick a publisher or studio, mm. and you must justify your choices. So have a think, and uh, we'll get to the answers at the end of the show. I'm um, gonna have to have a proper think about that. A proper think that. on that one, yes. <laughs> um, there are two animes that are airing at the moment that we'd like to talk about. Obviously, um, we've covered a lot of what's going to be launched in our preview for the season, but I think we ne- I need to retract some statements I made about domestic girlfriend. And I said, ooh, watch out! It's going to be pretty risque." Um, It's not.
1: And I disagreed with you. Remember,
2: and you were right. I
1: don't think so because no, this is because you had seen the 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 manga, hadn't you? The
2: manga I hadn't is uh, very adult orientated.
1: Bit more than risque, I think, isn't
2: it? A TV show, surprisingly tasteful. It's been an animated drama about relationships between people.
1: I feel like. I was expecting that because of After the Rain, because yeah. that was also a very contentious um, topic, mm-hmm. but it was done so beautifully.
0: Your instincts actually seem to be pretty spot on for those things, Coco.
1: I'm sure that we'll be proven wrong at some point, but... <laughs> well, we, we, have,
2: we, we have also finally caught up on the promised Neverland. and at last. Yeah. What are your thoughts? bit deathy. Uh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, my thoughts uh, mostly are mostly in the realms of, whoa.
1: It kind of reminds me of, what's the name of the anime where they go down that really big, big hole. Made in the Abyss? Yes, Made in the yes, abyss. Yes. abyss. Because that looks adorable and cutesy and it's oh, there's not all everything cutesy about this. Something mm. is going to happen. That mm. proves us all like that, that, that completely turns it into a 180 degrees of oh my god what's happening I mean we this are talking
0: is... about the same people who did attack on
2: Titan so yes expect emotional and you can you can really see that um, similarity in the design you see for when they're doing their faces in shock it's the exact same that animation style that they've used oh absolutely they yeah. know
1: how to do horrified faces mm. <laughs>
2: and horrifying faces now for those that haven't caught domestic girlfriend or the promised under land domestic girlfriend is a story about about, I guess, a sibling love triangle what? due to a remarriage, mm. and uh, the promised land is monsters and children. is probably the easiest way to explain it. It's kids in an orphanage who um, then discover that the orphanage is being run by monsters and... uh, They're
1: being fattened up.
2: Yes, in a a nutshell. Um, We'll leave that there. (laughs) So this episode, we're looking at the Boku no Hero Academia film and its new short special, All Might Rising, which have just been released on Blu-ray in Japan. Mm -hmm. Now, if you haven't seen My Hero Academia, we'll be looking at the series as part of this week's back catalogue as well to get you up to date. Um, Surprisingly, that uh, All Might Rising uh, special quite short
1: Mm.
0: very very
2: short I was expecting yeah a bit more
0: like uh, episode length
2: yeah they
1: packed so much into it didn't they they
2: did a lot of emotions in there Um, on the note of uh, films have you ever wondered how you can get an anime feature to be shown at your local cinema Mm. well we got the chance to chat with Marg Cortes she's from Half Symbolic Films about how anime distribution works and she has a few great suggestions of what you can do to get your local cinema chain to start showing some of the stuff you actually want to see Um, Obviously, I'm sure there's plenty already there, but uh, if you want to get something from Japan, this is where you can start. And as this is episode three, is three episodes enough to tell if an anime is good, or is it just enough to scratch the surface? So we're talking about what is known online as the three-episode rule. But before all that, we need to go to the news.
1: Making headlines.
2: Really? Sort of. Anime news. Alita Battle Angel hits the big screen and J-World Tokyo closes its doors. This is Kawaii Fi Anime News. Anime adaptations for Animal Society manga Beastars has been announced with a series in production at Studio Orange. The announcement was made in the 10th issue of Weekly Shonen Champion, with Demon School manga Maraimishata Irumakun also announcing an anime adaptation in the same issue. Manga Taisho nominee Astra Lost in Space has also announced an anime is on the way, with a premiere expected sometime this year, and the eighth volume of Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid manga has also announced a second season is in the works. Alita Battle Angel has finally hit cinemas in North America and has jumped straight to the top of the box office, claiming the number one spot on its opening night. Alita opened to 8.7 million US dollars in the States on Thursday, making it the number one film for Valentine's Day, and already has a solid start internationally, taking over 40 million so far. Box office predictions suggest the film will take in just over 30 million in its first five days in the States, but will have to make a solid profit over its 170 million budget to be considered a success. The Hollywood adaptation of hit anime film Your Name has announced the director of the project, with the western adaptation focusing on a Native American woman and a man from Chicago. Director of the Amazing Spider-Man films and 500 Days of Summer, Mark Webb, has come on board to direct, with screenwriter Eric Heisserer heading the project. No planned release date has been announced at this stage. Tasty streaming service Crunchyroll have added seven new animes to their simulcast lineup with Domestic Girlfriend, Dimension High School and The Magnificent Kotobuki all landing on the site. Joining them are Pastel Memories, How Clumsy You Are, Miss Uenemo, WZ and Bang Dream Season 2 with Bang Dream's first season already on the platform. Weekly Shonen Jump's J-World Tokyo is closing its doors this weekend, marking the end of its six-year run. Despite the hub of Shonen Jump characters closing down, there are two new attractions opening featuring the Naruto franchise, with a new Naruto attraction opening in Hyogo Prefecture this April, and the indoor theme park coming to Shanghai New World shopping mall in China. Three anime films have confirmed their plans to release their features internationally with Penguin Highway, Danmachi's Arrow of Orion and the new Code Gears film all heading to Western screens this year. Code Geass, of The Resurrection will be heading to North America cinemas on May 5th, with the English dub following on May 7th. Penguin Highway will start appearing in cinemas from April 12th starting in the US and it's about to head out in the UK as well. While Is It Wrong to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon, The Arrow of Orion have announced on Twitter the international release dates will be coming soon. It also appears Aeon Cinema chain may have broken embargo, or at least made an error after they listed the Konosuba film for a July 12 opening date. The listing has now been removed from their website with no further explanation at this stage. In dub news, Sentai Filmworks has announced it's creating an English dub for 2009 gender-swapping Girls with Guns anime, Camphor, and the Rising the Shield hero has received a sudden mass dub to bring it up to date, with all future episodes planned to be dubbed and released on the same day as a simulcast episode. And that's your anime news for the week ending February 17, 2019. So, lots of manga adaptations on the way, it seems, and uh, plenty coming out as far as the cinemas as well. Oh, Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing your name done in the way that you've described it being done.
2: Mm-hmm. As a
0: Western movie. Yeah,
1: but that's... Yeah, that's it. And when you see adaptations done, it's usually... White American and white American. This is not going to be that. I want to see it.
2: Well, one of the really interesting things is the writer, Eric, was saying that Japanese right holders requested a Western adaptation of the film because if they wanted a Japanese adaptation, they'd do it themselves, which makes sense.
0: But, I mean, we have seen uh, adaptations of Japanese content done before and it can be quite good in the Mm -hmm. case of uh, Battle Angel Alita, which is doing quite well. And it can be done very badly in the case of, say, Dragon Ball.
1: <laughs> Sorry, we just lost transmission there. Yeah, I, 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 don't I, I, I don't know what, know happened. what happened. there. Like, some gremlins got yeah, into yeah. The I the
0: swear way. that happens every time we mention Dragon Ball. <laughs> 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 anyway. Here it oh goes well. again. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> so the, on the note of Battle Angel, though, they do need to make quite a lot to make it actually a profit, unfortunately. And it I it mean, has to
1: double to make bank, doesn't it?
2: Y- usually the rule is double. So it's cost them $170 million to make plus whatever they've spent on um, advertising. And bearing in mind they had a spot at the Super Bowl, Ooh. they've probably spent a lot. So they're probably going to need to collect upwards of $300 million for it to be considered a commercial success mm. and for there to be a sequel, which apparently at the end they have a post-credit scene which leads on to further chapters from the manga. Um, We will obviously talk more about Battle Angel Elita next week because we are going to be doing a special on it. Stay tuned, folks. Mm -hmm. I think we should uh, delve into the world of anime history. Wi-Fi Radio! Anime History! Yes, in this episode, we're looking at a rule that seems to have been around for as long as anime itself. With some animes even mentioning it or adapting it to their program. We are, of course, talking about the three-episode rule. Now, if you've been on forums, Reddit, or any anime-focused website where there's a comment section, you've probably noticed someone saying to give an anime the three-episode treatment or something similar. And it's a rule many anime watchers and otaku seem to come up with to help them sift through the deluge of anime we get every season. Because, let's be honest, there's a lot... Last year, I think they calculated there were 400 different shows over the course of the year. There's just not enough time. Mm -hmm. So, in simplest terms, the rule is if an anime isn't good and hasn't caught you by a third episode, you should drop it. So, of course, good is subjective to the viewer, but the big question here is how did this rule come about? And we've spent the last week trying to find out. It's not easy.
1: It's like trying to research that. S that you make with the three lines and then the three <laughs> lines below it. That thing <laughs>
0: everyone did in high school yeah. and primary school. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. So, the three episode rule doesn't have a clear origin date. Everyone online debated where it came from, but what we've managed to do is pull together a number of factors that could have restricted a rule like this from being made. Mm-hmm. So, in Western audiences, the rule likely rose to prominence alongside the rise of internet speeds and true international access to anime. Before that, we weren't getting enough to need a three episode rule. Well, Kyle, are you t- Taking us back to the days of dialer? Unfortunately, yes. <gasps> yes, I am. So, this means it I couldn't remember. have been before the year 2000 due to the introduction of broadband speeds in that year. Japan got it in 99, but the rest of the world didn't get it until 2000. So, prior to that, downloading a 20 minute standard definition episode on dialer would take between four to eight hours. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. So, as you can see, probably not a very viable option at that point.
1: When did you guys get internet?
2: I think we got internet 97-ish.
1: I feel like we got it 99, and I do remember how slow it was. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, My mum needed it for work and stuff, so I had it, but it was just terribly slow. Mm -hmm. So prior to the year 2000 as well, something worth noting as well is that a 12-episode anime run was abnormal. It wasn't the norm as it is today. So they were a typical anime season. Is not what we see today where we every three months have lots of anime to talk about. They would have lots of long-running animes.
0: Now oh, you mention it, yeah. I remember us sitting down to watch sort of like longer-form things that we'd bought from like the video shop or mm-hmm.
2: something. So obviously a lot, there's a lot more to talk about on that later. But for argument's sake, let's say the hard cut-off date for the beginning of the three-episode rule was year 2000 onwards. So at this point in time, most anime shows in the West tended to be longer-form shows aimed at children. They were also cheaper to purchase than Western animation due to Japan's declining economy in the 90s. So let's take Dragon Ball, Card Cardcaptor Sakura, and Sailor Moon as our examples. These three shows all neatly fit in alongside Western cartoons between 1995 and 2000. And the long story arcs meant that these shows could run for extended periods on morning TV shows for kids... And the only cost outside the broadcast rights, which were cheap to buy at the time, was redubbing them. So that's cheaper than putting a team of animators, writers, directors, people to produce the show. So from a Western perspective, it made a lot of sense to grab those shows.
1: Absolutely. Of course, yeah. I I wonder how um, Power Rangers fits into all that. Same thing. Because they
2: could sell the rights really cheaply, and they recast the characters.
1: Of course, and they used all of the choreographed fight scenes from the original Japanese show. And they'd
0: purchase or rather hire some of the outfits at a later date to react some scenes out in certain locations that were... Similar. Suiting the actors that they had picked. Mm,
2: So the question is, how could these shows be grabbed so cheap back then? Well, in 1992, Japan's economy essentially bottomed out after inflated property prices crashed and bank lending reached record levels. And after that fallout, a lot of Japanese companies had super big debt levels. And for an anime studio, selling their product internationally, even if it was a lot less than they wanted to, was seen as a good way to get some of that extra money back. So it kind of worked out really well for kids. Even if their company wasn't getting that much money, it was keeping them afloat.
0: That is an unusual way to think about it, that a horrible situation for the Japanese people sort of, Benefited us as
2: geeks. <laughs> yes, but I mean, th- then of course we had our own bottoming out of the property market about a decade later. So yes. you know, <laughs>
1: well, it goes around. But
2: when when you look back, you can't say that Dragon Ball, Card Captors, or Sailor Moon would have been looked at with a three episode rule in mind. No, absolutely not. No. Absolutely so not. They've got long story arcs, mid season twists for kids. It was something new and it was something different. Therefore. Considering a three-episode rule wasn't even in the equation.
1: You could jump into Sailor Moon at any time mm-hmm. and just pick it up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Card Captor Sakura and Sailor Moon had a uh, meta-narrative running, but they were mainly a monster of the week kind of a thing. Very it episodic. Was, uh, it was a very formulaic story. For Dragon Ball, though, no, that's a. Uh, that is a long-running tale,
2: mm-hmm. but even if you jumped in in the middle of that, you would still get hooked. It didn't matter how mm-hmm. many episodes because it was just something really different to anything we'd seen before.
1: Do you want to know how hooked I got on it? Sure. I failed my chemistry exam because I had the song in my head. <laughs> that is what <laughs> I'm going to blame, honestly. Okay. That's
0: your so story, and you're sticking to
2: it. I wasn't As gracious. in the West, it's Dragon Ball Z and in dragon, dragon. No, no. Balls of dragon.
1: No, Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon. Sailor yeah, seriously, <laughs> it just kept on repeating itself. I was trying to. I. I was so good. I got up early, ate my breakfast, prepared. Okay, so what's Dad's watching TV? What's on? Okay. And I caught the opening song, and I was like, okay, wicked off I go to my exam. Or <laughs> honestly, oh, no. I'm not. A, I was not a great student of chemistry, but anyway, I would have gotten a little bit more of a mark if I hadn't had "Fight Evil" by Moonlight over and over in my head <laughs> or, for, for, for three hours.
2: Well, it did not stop. <laughs> oh, we are so changing your oh, retone yeah. later. <laughs> so this kept Western kids entertained. Obviously, they kept the costs low, and all the while it fed money back in Japan's animation industry, along with creating. Our first generation of Western otakus. Mm-hmm. So at this time, you could also say the three-episode rule wouldn't work for the 26-episode series we were getting either.
1: No, too, You ha- You have
2: a long. look at Neon Genesis, Cowboy Bebop, Bubblegum Crisis, just to name three prime examples during that period. They took more than three episodes to give you what you wanted. Yeah, a lot Neon of... Neon Genesis
0: uh, in particular. A lot of anime is a slow burn. And yes, exactly, Neon Genesis is... Very it's, slow, very artistic and to start in,
1: with. In Neon Genesis, it doesn't start at the beginning. It, no, sh- it, it follows Shinji as he comes in, like as it's you know as, as, as everything's already hit is, the fan yeah, in the middle of things. Pretty much,
2: yeah. Much. yeah. Now at this time, twelve episodes animes, as I mentioned earlier, were a lot less common, and shows between twenty-four and fifty-five episodes made up the bulk of animation being exported between nineteen ninety 1990 and nineteen ninety-eight. And it wasn't until nineteen ninety-eight when 12 episode series began to appear more regularly and the concept of an anime season truly sort of began in 99 when there were at least half of the season was a 12 episode anime set Mm -hmm. so all in all it comes down to a lack of an anime season before the year 2000 and less anime leaving japan meaning anime viewers were more likely to stick with an anime than drop it so, the three episode rule, what does this all mean for it? Well, from the year of 2000 to 2005, more and more anime became available to the world through the internet and 12 episode animes being released. Short burn, quick hits.
0: So, it basically feels like we had to get this sort of a rule, this unofficial thing in place because at a certain point we were
2: spoiled for choice. Exactly. And from around 2004 onwards, a large chunk of each anime season was becoming available through fan subs. And that's kind of when fan subs really had kind of started getting attached and getting working and audiences had a high enough internet speed and this is the other part a large enough hard drive to download them
0: <laughs> yeah
2: mm. so this is likely when the three episode rule would have first appeared as a response to going from limited anime to a sudden flood every three months and thus the epi- three episode rule would have likely been born as a quick way to find your anime, favorite anime every season
0: now back in those days i mean i came into this game kind of late but were there any sort of official places to download these things from?
2: No. Oh. No, like the, the download and streaming culture for animes only really kind of hit properly, I'd say, since Crunchyroll came about. Um, mm-hmm. Before that, it was you'd find it on random websites and... Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly through uh, download links, because actually hosting it online was quite expensive. Of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what it comes down to now is, well, we are getting a lot more of Japan's 12-episode animes every season. To be fair, the bulk of Japanese animation from 2005 onwards is 12-episode animes. The 24, 26-episode series we grew up with are no longer the more common releases.
0: Yeah, they're kind of a, uh, a special treat. You could say.
2: Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to the case of the three-episode rule inside of Japan, I have no idea. But I'm going to say it would probably begun around 1998 when the rise of the 12-episode animes began. Oh,
0: yeah. There was that anime we saw not so long ago. Uh, Anime Guitarist?
2: Yes. (laughs) That.
1: That. What That.
2: So Anime Guitarist, for those curious, actually translates directly to Anime Story. It was based off a short um, film made for one of the anime conventions in Japan. I believe it was Anime Expo. Yeah. and
0: it's fantastic.
2: And it's very meta. It talks about anime culture. But the first two episodes took a while to kind of get going. It was very strange. And then the third episode, they actually referenced the three episode rule. Yeah,
1: and they took it up a few notches. They didn't literally they? took
2: it up like to the next level. Yeah, of that episode. Because
1: I was. I think you, I'm not sure if you'll remember, but at the time I was like, oh, I could l- take or leave this. And mm-hmm. then three, the third episode hit and I was like, right, we need to watch the rest mm-hmm. of this. And it bottomed out. <laughs> I felt so betrayed. I, I, felt, I, I, I was expecting
2: it, more. I wouldn't say it bottomed out. They just kind of went to, off the rails, like yeah. animes do. I, I it's,
0: it's the funny thing about this thing. It's about like a young girl essentially being introduced into Japan's otaku and geek culture. And basically being introduced to anime in general, and to a certain point, I think it was sort of guiding the audience into it as well. It was mm. sort of almost mm. a very meta
1: documentary. It was in, in a way, yeah. I do. Ha- I think I have to rewatch it. Yeah. yeah.
2: So I, I guess well, let's let's look at the benefits and problems um, with that three episode rule. So the three episode rule does work with some anime. And this is especially anime with well-treaded plot and character types. These are your idol animes haram and animes. your harem animes. <laughs> and while they can be good ones, and no offence to anyone who does enjoy them, they're not my cup of tea. I like harem animes. I know you do. I'm going to say it proud. I but like first <laughs> harem. <laughs> um, but while those are fairly straightforward affairs, it isn't going to work for every single one of them, so it still isn't a hard and fast rule anyone can apply to. Now, the problem is, most animes, if they're 12 episodes long, will take around five to six episodes for it to kind of fully establish its story, introduce you all of the characters, introduce you to the main story arc if it's decided it's got one. Of course. Um, Examples, though, of where third episode changes have happened, um, Saki, which is a mahjong anime... That first two episodes were quite dull. Third episode, they really got the plot moving along because they basically turned it into Mahjong meets Yu-Gi-Oh. Yes, I <laughs> remember that one. That
0: was and, fantastic. And
1: a lot of the time for us as Western, as a Western audience, it depends on the subs or the dub mm-hmm. as well as to how well it's translated.
2: Yeah. Well, a, a prime example was with the... um Boku no Hero um, subtitles that have first come out for the film compared to the latter subs. The first ones are horrible because they've been rushed out. The latter ones are a lot more clear and precise. Mm -hmm. But similarly, there are... Third episode changes which can ruin an anime. And I I had a look online and I appear to be in in the minority on this, but Nanana's Buried Treasure, that third episode twist completely ruined it for me because I just got completely thrown for six.
1: Yeah, I was not into that anime at all.
2: Mm. I only
0: got around to seeing the first episode of that, so I might have to uh, take another look. Mm.
2: And then, of course, there's the epitomous episode three of Madoka Magica, where it goes from a cutesy anime um, magical magical girl show to something a lot darker. Um, which is well-renowned in um, many of the anime communities for being a great little twist if you didn't know what was coming. But, yeah, that's kind of the best information we can <laughs> give you on the three-episode rule, really. found what we
1: could. <laughs>
2: so we're we kind of saying roughly around 2003, 2004, when there were enough 12-episode animes for it to warrant um, having one of those things. As
0: for like an exact like location, person, origin for it, we don't really know.
2: I'm going to say Geo Cities. <laughs> the Wi-Fi Radio I think I watched that as a kid Oh yeah, I remember
1: that
3: Back Catalog
2: Do-do-do-do. Yes, it's Back Catalog And this week it's My Hero Academia Woo-hoo! And it's not that old But my lordy is a good hmm
0: I mean, uh, it started not so long ago, uh, around uh, 2014, yeah?
2: Yeah, well, uh, Manga um, kicked off in July 2014 in Weekly Shonen Jump. We have now got over 215 chapters.
0: I'd say that's back catalog enough. And if it's you want to go back and see all that, <laughs> it would take you a while.
2: And uh, yeah, so for, for those who don't know what um, My Hero Academia is, uh, Japanese name is Boko no Hero Academia, um, it's a story about the appearance of superpowers called quirks in wider society. And this is mm-hmm. steadily increases over the years with about 80% of humanity having a quirk or power or something. This can be, you know, manipulating elements, transforming into something, um, firing electricity from your hands, for instance, or fire. Um, but this leaves our main character... And the the remaining 20% of the world completely powerless. And Izuku Midoriya is one of those people. Since he was a child, he's wanted nothing more than to be a hero and his lack of a quirk leaves him admiring heroes, taking notes on them, what we can do.
1: He admires the number one hero in all the world. All All Might!
2: Um, But his persistence does bear some fruit because Izuku meets the number one hero and his personal idol and All Might's quirk is actually a unique ability that can be inherited and he chooses him. To be his successor.
1: I'm getting goosebumps I know. even now. I, I mean, I got goosebumps at the time, but I'm getting <laughs> them again because, oh my god, this anime is. When I first heard of it, I was, I mean, obviously, didn't really know what to expect. You, you,
2: you wonder if the hype about it yes. is just too much hype. Yes. Yeah. And
1: oh my god. It just went all I mean, the way past the hype that I was expecting, and I just fell hell- head over heels. So it, it for went it. beyond Plus Ultra. Yes.
0: The big thing is that this came out in and around the same time as a lot of other superhero media. I mean, mm-hmm. Marvel and DC, you've you know they've been going with strength from strength to strength. Mm-hmm. So this could have easily just been something that looks like it was riding on the coattails, but no, this anime very much sets itself apart from it's, the rest. It's
2: very unique to what we'd expect from like your Western comics and superhero comics. Absolutely, mm, it, it focuses a lot more on unique mm. character changes. Oh, and well, that's the thing.
0: Um, in like your typical superhero thing, superpowers a rarity, it sets the main character apart from the rest immediately and he is the only one who can be there to stop the bad guy.
1: And I believe it's um, depending on whether it's a Marvel superhero Mm -hmm. or a DC DC superhero as to whether they are gods having human experiences or humans having godlike experiences. Mm -hmm.
0: Exactly, but what can you say for a society where 80% of the people around you have a superpower, Mm -hmm. some of them disastrous, some of them yeah, mundane.
2: But I mean, it it completely explains why superpowers in that type of world become commercialised and controlled. So you've Mm -hmm. got supervillains and professional heroes. More to
0: that point, though, it makes standing out as an individual all the more harder. I mean... If anyone's super, really, who is?
2: Mm. So there's something we should mention about My Hero Academia, and that it is a shonen manga. So if you like... Um, oh, it is very, very shonen. shonen. If you like things like Naruto, One Piece, Dragon Ball, anything where you've got that strong young man element trying to overcome adversity or challenges, you're going to really enjoy it. And to be honest, even if you don't like shonen manga, normally this might be one which could tip you in favor of it if you like anything superhero related because there's such strong character development there's such a strong focus on a very well written narrative and there's so much
1: heart to it Mm. there's so much and that's what that's what grabbed me
0: and it's the sheer range of characters their uniqueness even just Mm. yeah their character like how each of them are their own person they're not just sort of
1: their superpower there's so much pathos
2: and in w- and while I'd, I'd love story yeah and w- while I would love to say that I was on this bandwagon to begin with I only got on it last year um, <laughs> and as that that was actually I. after seeing everyone dressed up at a con as all of the heroes from it and that's I've had mates talking
0: about it mm-hmm. for
2: ages but yeah like you only jumped in on it very recently mm-hmm. and th- one of the things I found really interesting is the community that's around that loves it so strongly as well mm-hmm. and that's because the characters are well defined and when developed it's, this isn't no offense to Marvel or DC, but this isn't cookie cutter heroes where we need a sidekick, so we'll copy the powers and shrinken down or anything like that. This is people with very individual this abilities, is really
1: outside the box. I mean,
2: let's um. There's Uraka who can make people float. Uh yes. There's uh, Tsuyu, whose uh, hero name's Froppy. She's a frog person, and she's very cool. Oh, and Ida. Oh, With his legs, Ida, who has literally got motors jet, in engines. His, jet engines in his yeah. legs, so he can run super fast. No, no, all he's those one ones, of my favourites.
0: If you think about it, each of them, are awesome. But if we take a look at some of the more uh, outlier characters, like Sero uh, or Minura oh. Mineta, mm-hmm. like Sero, his, his, uh, his uh, quirk his, is, is that him, he's got tape sort of. Yeah, he has. He launches sticky tape from his arms and. That's such a fascinating concept. You you think of that and think, okay, what can you do? But then you will actually see them in action and you're like, oh, that is so creative. You actually yeah. have
2: to think. And Minato, who's basically, he's, he's got a purple head with balls that look like grapes on it. He's got like one of the moves called Grape yeah. Rush. He rips these balls off his head and throws them and they stick to things. And yeah, can- they are
1: super adhesive. Can we also discuss Ayama Yuga? Mm. You can't stop sp- Sparkling or <laughs> can't stop twinkling, Start, one or the
2: other. So this is a guy who's got a laser that comes out of his navel, so his yeah. belly button.
0: A very flamboyant character, very much comic relief. Very but French. French. Yeah. But even he shines as a character and not just from his gut. I was going to
2: say, is that a pun? <laughs>
1: can, can I ask, who out of all these characters do you guys believe has the lo- the, the highest potential to potentially become a villain? See, for a long uh,
2: time, you'd think uh, Bakugo. Yeah, because yeah. the way he's positioned it now. Um, for those who haven't seen it, Bakugo is uh, Midoriya's childhood friend, but he's a bit of a Nasty. He's a bit sort of a douche. Of, his, he's a superior
0: of a, car, his superiority complex is just, you know. Mm. And then you and meet down. his
1: mum, and you understand where it comes from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: um, but he, th- there's, there is a whole story arc involving him with um, the villains trying to turn him to his side, and it's not going to work. So he's just an abrasive character. He's not an evil character. But he's which, something
0: of Midoriya's rival
2: for the yeah, title of greatest hero, which is very different to what we see in you know western comic adaptations where it's all about you know the villain betraying Mm -hmm. someone or you know someone basically having similar powers or you know there's that similarity complex whereas here they've tried they've set it up and then completely went off on a different direction with it and it's great Mm -hmm. now if i had to pick someone out of all of them i'm gonna say (laughs) Minota because he's a pervert.
1: He is easily swayed. How far <laughs>
2: will he go for pictures of boobies? Well, that is the question. Um, but I, I particularly like um, uh, Kyoka Jiro, the girl mm. who's got the headphone jacks that are attached mm. to her ears. I think she's got some of the coolest most ninja abilities because she can plug into a wall and listen to sound waves and hear, you know, sound waves refracting. She can plug them into speakers and use noise to deafen and, and make people go unconscious yeah. among other things.
0: Yeah, it's what a fascinatingly original hero concept. Mm-hmm. So, you haven't seen anything like that before.
1: So far, my favorite, well, the one I most enjoy watching whenever he's on screen is Eda mm. because I actually think that he has a potential to become a supervillain. He Because he is so, he's so focused on, on what's right.
2: I mean, he's the class rep for a reason. Yeah. yeah.
1: He's so upstanding and so focused, but I feel like he's got a lot of pressure behind him and there's mm. just something about him that I reckon is a potential... I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Mm.
2: Now, I think the art style of this has been... Very well done. It's it's done by Bones. It's very similar to what you'd expect from Dragon Ball style, um, uh, mm-hmm. One Piece. Anything that is in that Shonen sort of genre where the colours are quite bright, quite vivid, they're the used, lines are quite hard.
1: They <laughs> use so many different types of styles mm-hmm. to illustrate all these different heroes and
2: students. Mm. Yeah, mm. they do. And then that's nothing to say of the writing quality as well because normally uh, a story can be good but the writing can be terrible.
0: Yeah, I mean, but as you said, this is Bones and... If you look at the sort of things they are involved in, we've got uh, Oran High School Host Club. That's mm. an old favourite of mine. Um, Soul Eater, Mob Psycho 100, Space Dandy, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood.
2: So they, they, they've got they've done quite a few things. To be fair, they have done some pretty rubbish things as well. But um, yeah. the
0: there's, there's hits, there's misses, we'll but that's a yes. lot of hits.
2: But it, it all comes down to that quality of writing to begin with. And all of those shows that you've listed have good quality writing in the manga to begin with and that translates very well onto screen even Space Dandy which gee we Mm, will have to have a long talk about that some other time I love Space (laughs) Dandy and lastly we, we should talk about the musical score because wow
1: yes Wow.
2: Oh boy! Um, I actually have some of those. That, so th- we're not even talking about the intro or the outro. We're talking about the music used in the background during scenes. Just I have some of those songs on my gym playlist. They are that good.
0: I try not to listen to it while driving. I know I'll go fast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on to the most recent bit of my hero. We'll be right back after this.
1: Hawaii fi We'll be there on
2: time. there's twenty minutes fast. Cinema Club. Yes, let's talk about My Hero Academia 2 Heroes, uh, which we rewatched the other night. So amazing. Loved it. Like, it's definitely something that needs the cinema experience, but it still is amazing yeah. on a small screen.
0: I missed out on that cinema experience and oh my god goodness I need surround sound for that so yeah. badly
2: so the film did have its world premiere in July 2018 and then was in Japan's theatres in August last year it's since been in uh, western cinemas as well for a very limited run but uh, wow um, All Might young All Might to so oh. just just start out with we'll start from there from the beginning <laughs> He's so cool.
0: It's something we've wanted to see since we have been introduced to this great you know, gleaming superhero, this symbol of peace.
2: And because you hear about all of his different phases as well. And the special... So some background on the special that's been released with it. Firstly, it's only about two and a half minutes and it's called All Might Rising. And this is based on a manga that was given to the first... I think it was 500 cinema goers to see the uh, My Hero Academia film in cinemas in Japan when it first started.
0: I believe it was more than that, actually. I think it was close to like the first uh, 1,000 or 10,000. There's varying figures. Mm,
2: There are. I think um, each cinema was limited to 500, and there were 1,000. Yeah, indeed. Either way, it's quite short. It only, I think, runs for about... 10 pages and they've adapted that very faithfully into this short little one-shot, if you will, which yeah, runs for two and a half minutes. Almost
0: a scene for scene cut and beautifully mm. recolored and reimagined. But despite it only being
2: two and a half minutes, there is so much emotion and pain mm. and...
1: It was so oh. expertly done.
2: Now, if, if you're going to... If you get hold of the um, English uh, release when it comes out in March, I believe... I'd highly recommend watching the little uh, All Might Rising feature before watching the film because it ties in perfectly to him arriving in America. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then from, from there, the rest of the movie, as I'm sure you'd expect, is fantastic. There's incredible animation, very fluid transitions, great use of lighting. Uh, I, I can't give it enough. And the characters introduced in it, unlike a lot of uh, side films we see for shounen um, animes are all valuable people. Yes,
0: it's um, we're given a bunch of new faces and a couple of new heroes who we absolutely want to be canon. And I've been uh, doing my research on the matter. I think there might be supporting evidence that they might be canon. This includes a one-shot spin-off manga illustrated by Yoko Akiyama um, that stars the new character Melissa Shield. Ah, oh. And uh, this is published in the 35th issue of the weekly Shonen Jump magazine uh, earlier this year. She was S- I'm cool. sorry, last year. Yeah. I'm glad we're going to see more of her. Uh, I
2: hope so. I hope so, yeah. So for those who haven't seen the film, um, we won't do any spoilers on it, but um, it's to do with um, Midoriya and All Might going to a island to visit one of All Might's oldest friends. Um, who's actually uh, a tech developer for hero equipment and technology. And their uniforms and as well. And It's called Eye Island.
1: Eye and Island. not giving anything away.
2: No, it's t- definitely not an <laughs> Apple franchise at <laughs> no. all, no. <laughs> and
0: yeah, that actually uh, draws me back to something that was inherent in the series. It's like, while you have your sort of superhero archetypes, you have like these super-powered people, the people with eye lasers and all that, you also just have your 20% of the population are genuinely normal people with no powers, but some of them go crazy into science and Mm. become gadget developers and invent things which support superheroes or even give
2: them abilities to match them. To to be honest the way it's represented you wonder how anyone ends up working in like a a Business, a convenience store, or <laughs> yeah, a convenience store, a bakery, or anything like that. I mean, I someone's going to do it. Well, actually, maybe if you're a superhero who's only got a little bit of firepower, you could be in working in a bakery and can use your hands to cook your bread. For a world such as this, maybe there's
0: someone who, with the superpower to just create dough from air.
2: Yeah, or it could be like Momo, where they uh, use you know their own calories to create products mm. if they know the uh, composition of it. Hmm. But uh, I think from a Western audiences' point of view, a film like this, unlike uh, what we saw with old Dragon Ball films and older Naruto films, this feels like it's part of the canon. This feels like the ongoing story arc. Feels like
0: a couple of episodes just smashed together without yeah. the middle intro.
2: Exactly, it's it feels like a full story arc, and it's got both the same focus on loss, challenge, and you know, valuing you know, the higher moral ground. That you would expect for any story arc in the series. And it develops all the characters ever so slightly in a good way. And I like that because normally we're used to seeing, we can't obviously talk about recent Dragon Ball films because they've been fantastic. But if you have a look at like the Tree of Might or the older ones that were during the Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball time, they were non canonical and didn't make much sense in the timeline. This makes perfect sense between mm-hmm. season two and three.
1: Mm hmm. It does.
2: It's a it's a consistent
0: style at every single point, and I think that's what simply adds to
2: it. Its familiarity. Well, we we'll always love to talk about My Hero Academia, but we do need to get moving on, alas. So let's head on to the next segment.
3: Kawaii Radio.
2: <laughs> and now for our feature presentation.
1: <laughs> now featuring
2: this feature we're looking into the world of anime distribution with more and more anime films finding their way into cinemas around the world. It's had us wondering what's involved in getting an animated feature on the big screen and luckily we've managed to get hold of someone who does exactly that. Mark Cortez of Half Symbolic Films. How are you doing today Mark?
3: Hi good good thanks for having me.
2: So uh, how did you get involved in international film distribution?
3: Um, my involvement is a bit of a, it's it's a little bit of a detour and at the same time a natural progression. So my experience before starting Half Symbolic was in film festivals. I was working with the Japan Foundation and uh, was part of the programming team for um, three and a half years. Um, and that's four seasons for the Japanese Film Festival. And through that um, actually just get to know different um, film distributors, sales agents in Japan. And um, after after a couple of years, I thought, you know what, I would love to be able to distribute films on my own as well. And that was the starting point.
2: Okay. So what's the process of getting an animated feature from the studios in Japan to our local screens?
3: It is. Uh, honestly, it's pretty straightforward in, in theory. <laughs> so <laughs> um, You either contact a sales agent and a distributor and then you work on – you propose your own terms So then you work in an agreement and then you get the film and then you go about marketing that locally as well as securing um, cinemas that will screen it. Now, the, what changes is how you get in touch with them. There are different ways. You can either go travel to different film markets or um, nowadays, some people, it's, also, it all, it's all online. Um, you can go research or if you've already got these connections, they have ma- um, industry mailing lists and you find out about films. So if you can't make it to film markets, physically go overseas and go to these uh, markets, then you can um, contact the distributors or the sales agents directly and you can preview the film
0: I like the sound of those film markets um what uh, kind of challenges do you face with uh trying to organize these screenings
3: I think it's actually um once the film is if you think of it as physically shipping a product it's when it enters Australia mm-hmm. that's quite challenging for us so it's um what that means is trying to get cinemas to screen the films so that can get quite challenging because we have a lot of of course hollywood content still dominates screens Mm
2: -hmm. but at the
3: same time you have other foreign films you've also got indie features and um, uh, other asian films as well as other animated films to compete with for space in cinemas
1: Wicked. It sounds like you travel around a lot.
3: No, no, I don't. It's a very, Half Symbolic is very much a, um, it's a start-up. So it's um, two of us running Half Symbolic, my oh. partner and myself. Wonderful. I did travel just once um, to a film market. So uh, we, uh, I went to the um, Asian film market in Busan last year to see what sort of, Asian films there are, although Pusan kind of happens, that film market happens at the end of the year. So in relation to the other film markets, it's one of the last ones to um, to happen. So you get a different mix of films. You get a um, a bit of both of um, new films as well as, I guess, what you could call the rejects or films that mm -hmm. haven't been picked up yet.
1: We do love watching those. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I was wondering, have you encountered any issues like with cultural aspects being lost in translation?
3: It it is um, actually very interesting, especially within animated film, Japanese animated films or Japanese anime. It's because the main audience for anime, obviously, are quite familiar, people who are quite familiar or have a degree of familiarity with Mm -hmm. Japanese films and Japanese customs and Japanese culture. So, it's really when trying to cross over to a ma- more mainstream audience that thinks like, oh, will they understand what this term means? Will they understand what this sort of, like, uh, relationship between these two characters? Like, you know, the whole senpai kohai, that sort of relationship. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it yep. can affect translations, wherein for, say, Lou Over the Wall, which is uh, screened in cinemas a couple of weeks ago, we had to um, we There were certain, I guess, translations that could have been uh, difficult to understand, but mm-hmm. the Japanese production did a very good job, I think, of yeah. um, providing the translations for that film, whereas we have one film coming up um, called Night is Short, Walk on Girl, and that's based on the uh, Tatami Galaxy universe. Mm, okay. I guess um, fans who are familiar with it know that it's very uh, the pace is really quick and there's a lot of dialogue, so mm-hmm. it it was really hard trying to decide which translations to put it, like or which you know which translations to improve and which one's not to, cuz then you can be like uh, what's with a maneki neko it's like a lucky cat that's mm-hmm. pretty easy but there are other things like what is a tengu and you're like how how can you you know how can you um translate that in just one or two words
2: mm, cuz often there are words that don't translate directly into a single word in english
3: Exactly, because uh, like say Tengu, you can't just say it's a demon, cause because our conception of um, demons are different from what a Tengu is, yeah. uh, but I think I think Australia is a really good place for that, because we're all very open, uh, we're quite open to, and we are aware that there is that gap between different cultures, so i you know, it's it's a good place, I think, for foreign films in general.
2: Mm-hmm. So, is there a way for fans to help convince their local cinema chains to try and get hold of and show anime films?
3: Yeah, um, I think really the simple act of sending in Um, comments and suggestions to local cinemas actually helps because each cinema is run by a local team and of course each of them have their own um, cinema managers as well as area managers and even with the larger chains these people do listen to what their audience or what the you know local audience want to see so one example of that is um the Event Cinemas George Street and Event Cinemas um, Brisbane Maya City Centre. These are two cinemas um, that are very supportive of animated um, content, or I mean Japanese anime, because they know that there's a demand for it. But um, you can also, it's also possible for fans to arrange their own screenings um, by getting in touch with their distributor and then, you know, going through the process of hiring the cinema, and then um, nowadays it's quite easy to sell tickets by yourself using platforms, um, online ticketing platforms such as Eventbrite, and I'm sure there are other similar ones.
1: What's the most enjoyable aspect of distributing these films?
3: Oh, what's the most enjoy- I think um, looking for films is, is quite enjoyable. Uh, <laughs> just the watching and previewing films but I must say it's being able to go to the cinema and see people and be able to talk to them uh, we've done preview screenings for our releases so far and that's my favorite bit because you really get to, to um, talk to the people but on the you know on the flip side um it's hard to be able to it's hard to be present in other cities and um, with cinema nowadays because it's not like an event where you pre-purchase tickets some people do but a lot of people still just rock up on the day um even myself i you know just like go to the cinema buy my tickets on the spot mm. so yeah it's it's hard it's quite nerve-wracking um, because you have a preview screening um which is a cinema full of people, but then for the regular release, you don't really know how many are going to come and watch the films.
2: Mm, absolutely. And that, that could be, you make a break on that film as well for how long it runs. Absolutely,
0: yeah. Are there any films that we should keep an eye out for in the uh, not-too-distant future?
3: We only have three films, uh, three titles under our belt so far, and... I mean, two of them have already been released. One is a Filipino film and the other one was Loot Over the Wall by uh, Masaki Iwasa. We've also got Masaki Iwasa's other film, Night is Short, Walk-On Girl, and it's in cinemas on the 21st of this month.
2: Fantastic. That's awesome. I, I've also noticed that you popped up on Facebook as well that, um, you know, please parents, be, be aware that Walk-On Girl is not for all ages. Do you still find there's a bit of culture clash there where Western audiences parents in particular still believe animation is just for children
3: yeah yeah that's true and it's I think there's a there's that concept that that exists I guess everywhere um, not just um even yeah a lot of audiences still think that animation in general not just anime normally it's for kids but um, in recent years there have been a lot of um, not just Japanese anime, but um, Chinese and Korean animated feature films as well that have been quite intense mm. <laughs> and really violent, and, or really serious and quite, have quite depressing content. Yeah. And yeah. I guess people who, yeah, people who are familiar with film going to film festivals um, would know that there are animated films that are not for children. Mm. So in that respect, it's easy, but it's, it's really when it comes um, to the mainstream audience.
2: Well, thanks so much for your time, Marg, and uh, hopefully okay. in the future when you've got your next uh, couple of films coming out, we'll have a chat with you then.
3: Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
2: That was Marg from Half Symbolic Films, a film production and distribution company here in Australia who focus on getting international films into local cinemas. Their most recent feature is Night is Short, Walk on Girl by Masaki Uasa which will be in Australian cinemas from February 21st. It's a fascinating tale set in Kyoto with an animation style, very reminiscent of Paprika. I'd highly recommend checking it out. If you're one of our international listeners, please have a look at your local listings. I'd be very surprised if someone hasn't picked this up. Um, Masaki's worked on a pretty wide range of animation that you might have seen over the years, including directing the Tatami Galaxy and Devilman Crybaby. He's also been an episode director and animator on Space Dandy and My Name is the Amadas, as well as... Samurai shampoo. If you want to know what else Half Symbolic are working on releasing I highly recommend that you like their Facebook page or check out their website Um, that's halfsymbolic.com for more details. We'll be right back after this.
1: i i And the subtitles to what you just heard were, "Good God, My she's amazing!" <laughs> pretty much, yes, <laughs>
2: yes. That was our little uh, piece together we did of some uh, editing of clips from My Hero Academia just to give
1: you an idea as to how epic it can get. You just do have to watch it. It's how epic amazing. It sounds,
2: <laughs> yeah, it sounds pretty <laughs> epic too. So we should answer Eva's question. So, hmm. just one anime. Uh, Who wants to start?
0: So, I actually thought about this a little bit as you said it. I was going to say Layback Camp because mm. it's something nice to, to, to have in the background. But I think I've actually changed my position from doing the show. I'm going to say My Hero Academia.
2: Oh, fair wow. enough. Well, I think we know your reasons why. It's there is
0: enough uniqueness in the universe to ponder what could be. Mm. It's
2: it's awesome. All right, Coco. What do you think?
1: It was a toss up for me because um, so much actually touched me about Jiraiya's story in Naruto. I think mm. you remember after I watched that, I was in tears for a I, while. I think most of
2: us were. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm not but crying. Shut up. You're I'm, crying. I'm going to maybe ask me the question in another year. My answer might change, but this is going to be Dragon Ball for Fair me.
2: Enough. Well, I'm going to. Something that you probably wouldn't expect, and I'm gonna say Cowboy Bebop. and I know we love Cowboy Bebop, everyone does, but there's something about it. Firstly, I'm an audiophile, I'm a musician, I love it when there's a good quality of audio in there, and the music oh. throughout that show oh, yeah. is phenomenal. It um, is beautiful. The seatbelts and Moto did a, an incredible job for it, but more than that, there's such variety in the episodes because, sure, we have a lot of serious episodes in the last story arc. But we also then have episodes around having accidentally dropped some mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> <One of laughs> my and uh, what was and the song called? Happens. Chicken Bone? <laughs> With Ed wandering around and everyone else uh, thinking that they're uh, on the stairway to heaven mm-hmm. while walking around the bebop. Well, I, I or can't, talking
0: yeah. to bonsai plants about the meaning of the universe. Exactly. Yeah. Very space dandy.
2: Yeah, there's, well, it explains why some of the team went on to make <laughs> yep. it. But there's, <laughs> there's enough in the, that 25 episode run to give you a really interesting experience no matter what point you come in on. And even if you're not watching it from beginning to end, it's always something new. Well, that's enough of me jabbering. Next time, we are going to talk about Battle Angel Alita, which is in cinemas as of today. If you haven't checked it out, go check it out. We've got to support what sounds like an actual good adaptation of a Japanese film. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll be having a look at the history of the manga, the two one-shot OVAs that were released, and obviously the resulting outbreak from the film and how Mm -hmm. it's doing. But between now and then, enjoy yourself, have lots of fun, and watch some anime. Goodbye. Bye. Catch you later.